my wonderful friends. Welcome to Faith FM Drive Time. Welcome to Big Q&A. This is the show where we respond to difficult questions concerning God and faith, contemporary religion and the Bible. This is the show where we look at world religious trends in the light of Bible prophecy. I'm Pastor Gary, minister to the Brighton Seventh-day Adventist Church in the beautiful city of Adelaide. It's really wonderful to be able to share with you once again. This week we're looking at how do I come to Jesus? And the big question for today, what does it really mean to be born again? Today our co-host is Pastor David Butcher and David's the president of the Seventh-day Adventist Church here in South Oz. Welcome to you, David. Good afternoon, Gary, and good afternoon, listeners, once again. Oh, it is wonderful to have you uh, have you back with us uh, once again. It's a little warm outside. It is in Adelaide. I think we're probably sitting on about 37 degrees, so hopefully wherever you're listening uh, from in Australia, it might be a bit cooler. Uh, thankfully, it's nicely air-conditioned in here. It is, and I see you're dressed appropriately. Oh, yeah, indeed, indeed. David, I hear, though, that on Valentine's Day, you are a rather mean husband. Now, everyone else, I mean, I took my wife out to, uh, to some, uh, to, to a nice little lunch somewhere, a cafe where we could sit down and have a, have a bit of a chat. But, uh, David Butcher takes his wife, uh, on a bike ride up Mount Lofty of all, of all places and, uh, and you made it to the top, both of you together. Now, David, is this your idea of romance? Well, look, you know the way I like it and the way I'm blessed uh, by my wife. I got sent flowers during the week last week. I didn't even have to buy flowers. Instead, I got the whip out Sunday morning, cracked the whip, and uh, we got on our bikes. And, yeah, it was about a 700, uh, 600, 700-metre climb. Uh, and um, it's probably like climbing the Dandenong Ranges in Melbourne or maybe some other... Uh, it's not really a mountain per se, but yeah, probably 22k of constant climbing. Uh, and uh, my wife uh, beat me to the top. Uh, she's got an <laughs> e-bike though, Gary. She, she she cheats just a little bit, doesn't she? <laughs> she does. And Megan, if you're listening, it was an incredible way to spend Valentine's Day. Yep. And uh, yeah, just the ride down um, overlooking Adelaide. This is just outside of Adelaide and just overlooking Adelaide as you sort of come down these bends and curves 60 plus kilometres an hour on two wheels. Um, it is pretty exhilarating, and then we had brunch together, and then went home to our children. Oh, so you didn't get out of uh, of going out? No, no. I mean, after riding, you know, forty odd k, you want to eat something, don't you? I'm pleased about that, David. I was a bit worried. I was going to have to go and do some counselling uh, at the <laughs> at the butcher uh, house uh, household. Um, but David, look, let's come to uh, to something uh, far more uh, far more serious. Uh, our World Watch segment. Now, of course, the thing that's been in the religious press over probably the last week is uh, Max Licardo. Now, uh, he preached just. Uh, a week or so ago at the National Cathedral, uh, Washington, and he's been criticised uh, because he opposed uh, some time back same-sex marriage. Now, uh, this one, I, I found this discussion really interesting. It's been in and out of the religious press, and uh, one of the uh, one of the introductory articles uh, said this: one of the nation's most well-known churches received heavy criticism last week for inviting one of the nation's most popular evangelical pastors. The Washington National Cathedral, a prominent Episcopal or Church of England uh, in the nation's capital, announced on February 3 that author and pastor Max Licardo would be preaching the following Sunday during a virtual service. 
Licardo is the teaching minister at Oak Hills Church in San Antonio, Texas, and the author of books that have sold more than 120 million copies and have been translated into 54 languages. It was his traditional biblical views on sexuality that caused some to oppose his appearance. The Episcopal News Service ran a story about the controversy reporting that his past statements against homosexuality and same-sex marriage had led to a growing backlash from some Episcopalians. Opponents pointed to a 2004 article authored by Licardo. Episcopal News labelled labelled Licardo's beliefs anti-LGBTQ views. More than 1,500 people signed an online petition calling on the National Cathedral to rescind the invitation, saying he had inflicted serious harm on the LGBT community. Now, on that particular day, Licardo's sermon focused on the Holy Spirit's role in granting the Christian peace during anxiety. So he actually isn't even preaching on this particular subject on this day. The Holy Spirit is the calming influence, Licardo said, of God in the world today. And he will help you defy the voices of fear and draw nigh in the presence of peace. If you have said yes to Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit has said yes to you. And when you receive Christ, you receive the presence of the Holy Spirit in your life. So Licardo is preaching, but it's certainly got nothing to do uh, with the whole uh, uh, gay gay marriage agenda. Now, the thing that really uh, interested me is that as this article was uh, was followed up a couple of days later, Another article came out and, and it, uh, it said this, Max Licardo apologises for the 2004 sermon on homosexuality. He says, I, I wounded people. Now, this is what that article said. Evangelical author and pastor Max Licardo apologised for comments he made in a 2004 sermon about homosexuality. Although he says he still believes in the traditional biblical understanding of marriage, Licardo, the teaching minister at Oak Hills Church in San Antonio, Texas, and the author of books that have sold more than 120 million copies, penned a February 11 apologetic letter to the Washington National Cathedral, in which he said his 2004 sermon wounded people. Licardo said the letter to the cathedral following the controversy over his February 7 virtual sermon during the National Cathedral Service. Uh, some, cathe- uh, some Episcopalians had, had pointed to the 2004 sermon, it, it continues to say, as the reason he should not preach at the, the cathedral, which is a prominent uh, Church of England. More than 1600 had signed that, um, uh, that letter. Uh, in, uh, in his letter, uh, this, is, this is what he said. In 2004, I preached a sermon on the topic of same-sex marriage. I now see that in that sermon I was disrespectful, he says in his letter. I was hurtful. I wounded people in ways that were devastating. He said in the letter, I should have done better. It grieves me that my words have hurt or been used to hurt the LGBTQ community. I apologize to you and ask forgiveness of Christ. Licardo in his letter 
does not specify which parts of the sermon uh, now trouble him. Now, uh, this is actually, a, a, to me, a huge, a huge issue because one of the challenges that I'm really conscious of, uh, uh, David, is that uh, certainly in the in the religious press, this is an incredibly contentious issue. How would you respond? I mean, how do you feel about Licardo's apology? Should he have apologised? Yeah, I really struggle with what you've shared, Gary. Um, he's a world-renowned author and speaker, as you've as you've made out. He apologises about his 2004 sermon in that it wounded people, and yet he still says he still believes in the traditional biblical understanding of marriage. Mm-hmm. Now, he uses the words wounded. Uh, Jesus um, wasn't all... Um, Froth and bubble with people. He wasn't just all lovey lovey. He spoke the truth, but he spoke the truth in love. You know, Hebrews four twelve says the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double edged sword. It penetrates even to the dividing of soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and the attitudes mm-hmm. of the heart. Mm-hmm. So, uh, the word of God will wound people. It'll convict. And it'll bring response. Uh, Jesus said, you know, um, uh, parents will turn on their children and because vice versa. the scriptures say that when the Holy Spirit has come, the first work of the Spirit is actually to convict, convict. the world of sin. Now, of course, conviction is actually like an arrow or like that double-edged sword that Paul talks about. And we can either reject that and fight back against it. Or we can be cut to the heart, so to speak, in Acts chapter 2, 37 to 39, and we, we realize we've grieved God mm. and we seek, um, we seek uh, a change. So, yeah, I, a couple of things happening here, aren't there? Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. He didn't even preach on the LGBTQ um, uh, thing, the issue. He spoke about the Holy Spirit. Mm. And about anxiety and fear, yeah. and yet people are trying to pin him down. From something that he spoke back in 2004. Earlier. Yeah, we're talking 16, 17 years prior. Yeah, yeah. And this is the world that we're now living in. And this is one of the real challenges, you know, Dave, because I'm so conscious that the Christian church has actually got a theology of sin. And this is one, this is the thing which most people I found in my ministry really react to. I mean, if we go back to those old, you know, Ten Commandments, you know, I mean, everyone's heard of the Ten Commandments. And of course, the Ten Commandments actually uh, talk about, uh, um, it prohibits certain activities. Thou shalt not kill. Thou shalt not commit adultery. It doesn't actually mention a gay marriage in the Ten Commandments, but it talks about this thing called adultery. Thou shalt not steal. Now, to me, do you think that I'm, I'm wrong as a Christian pastor when I tell people that, hey, you shouldn't be jumping into somebody else's bed or alternatively, you shouldn't be stealing or alternatively, you shouldn't be killing. Is, is this unreasonable? No, this is the foundation of God's government, the foundation of who God is. It's his character. Yeah. yeah. And Jesus came to fulfill the word of God, the commandments. Um, he came to, and if you look at Matthew chapter 5, Jesus even intensifies uh, the commandments, not just from a physical act, but even uh, acting on thoughts. He says, if you look at a woman lustfully, um, you've already committed adultery by looking at her with those lustful thoughts. If you're angry against your brother, you've committed murder. So Jesus doesn't lessen the commandments. Mm. He actually amplifies them. So as Christians, uh, again, we're being pushed out of the public sphere. Yeah. Um, 
there is this continual cry of uh, hate speech, and there is such a thing as hate speech. I'm not yeah, saying there yeah, is not. Yeah. But just because someone hates or dislikes what someone is saying does not necessarily mean that that is hate speech. That's correct. That's I, I would agree with that totally. I mean, to me, one of the things I'm so conscious of is as I was bringing up my children, there were many times when I had to take them aside and say, hey, what you're doing is inappropriate and wrong, and... Uh, I didn't hate my children when I said those things. Absolutely. You do it out of a spirit of love, and that's what Jesus did. Yeah. And so we've been asked to emulate, copy Jesus. He's our model. Now, Jesus yeah. spoke the truth in love. Often it was hard. It hurt. But um, he also did it in a really loving way. So whether it's it's the sin of homosexuality, and it is a sin. Yeah. The Bible calls yeah. it that. Yeah. Whether it's the sin of uh, heterosexual sin, yeah. um, committing adultery with someone else. Yeah. Um, it's all the same. It's all sinful. Whether it's theft. Whether it's theft, whether it's lying, whether it's stealing. The Bible also talks about gossiping. Yeah. Um, so if we hang on to these things and we don't submit them to God and ask God for his help, then, um, yeah, I, I guess this is the way to life. So in other words, do you think Max Licardo should have apologized for the sermon that he preached back in 2004? No, no, not based on what's been shared. Uh, where is freedom of speech? It's yeah. almost like something dragged out of the wardrobe 16, 17 years ago will now crucify you, uh, even though he preached on the biblical view of marriage, and he says he still believes it, yeah. but just because it offended or wounded people. It frightens me, you know, when somebody of Max Licardo's standing in the Christian community is prepared to uh, back down and be pushed into a corner so that he feels forced to apologise for a view that he still maintains that he still freely holds. Absolutely. So let, let's not get lost in this. This is one sin amongst a plethora of sins. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah. But... The Bible speaks about it along with all the others. Yes, yes, yeah. And I think it's that big picture that's actually so important that we look at because the Scriptures actually have got this theology of sin. There are things that the Scripture says, if you do, it's actually going to damage you, your life, and it's going to lead to a thing called death. And to me, as I, as I look at that, I say, hey, am I being unloving if I warn a person about that? Or if I don't warn a person about that, which is the more unloving thing to do? Jesus came to give us life. He came to free us from the slavery of sin. Indeed. And whatever Indeed. sin it is, we become slaves to it if we yeah. don't surrender it yeah. to Jesus. Yeah. David, thank you so much for that. Uh, we're coming back to you in just a moment. Let's come to Anthem Lights. This is the Blood Medley. Victory in Jesus. I love uh, this, uh, this particular anthem. All victory in Jesus, my Savior forever. He sought me and bought me with his redeeming blood. Have you been to Jesus for the cleansing power? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Are you fully trusting in His grace this hour? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Oh, come on. Are you washed in, in the blood, in the soul-cleansing blood of the Lamb? Are your garments spotless, are they white as snow? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? What can wash away my sin? 
nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. There is power, power, wonder-working power in the blood of the Lamb. There is power, power, wonder-working power in the precious blood of the Lamb. Nothing but the blood of Jesus Said nothing but the blood of Jesus Are you washed in the blood In the blood of the Lamb He sought me and bought me With nothing but the blood of Jesus Hello wonderful friends This is Pastor Gary I host Drive Time every Tuesday and Wednesday, and I want to share with you a special offer that I have for our Adelaide friends. For some time, I've been concerned about the state of our contemporary religious world. I believe that increasingly, religion is morphing into a form that would be unrecognisable to biblical Christians of almost any previous generation. With this in mind... I've put together a short seminar series entitled Four Angels, The End Times and the Gospel's Climax. In this series, I'll be looking at the scriptures and providing answers to some of the biggest religious questions of our time. We're going to be asking, what are the big religious trends currently impacting the Christian world? Then there's this one. Why will a humanity never be able to provide a truly just society? What about evolution? Does the gospel have anything to say about evolutionary belief? The ecumenical spirit, is that the same as biblical unity? Then there's the big one. Why is biblical religion facing the perfect storm? This is an in-person, nine-meeting series that I'll be hosting. We commence Saturday, March 13 and conclude Saturday, March 20. If you'd like me to hold you a seat and send you details of the time and location, please text 4 Angel Series to 4 808 11 with your name, your address and your phone number. Please be aware that because of COVID requirements, space is limited. That number again, 04 808 11 that's uh, going to be a fantastic little uh, series that uh, that I've put together. Uh, I've, uh, I've I presented that uh, once just a little while ago, and I had uh, quite a number of people really appreciate that uh, uh, that series. But we'd like to invite you uh, if you'd uh, like to come and join us. We'd love to have you have you with us. Now we've got a free uh, book uh, for you for you this week, and that's the book Steps to Christ. Now this is our giveaway. You'll love the book Steps to Christ. Now, David, have you read Steps to Christ? I love this book because it's so powerful, impactful, and it's small and short. Okay. So it's right to the point. Yeah. And it literally does provide us with these steps, having freedom and faith 
and hope and confidence and assurance in Jesus Christ. Yeah, and I, I actually love using it as a devotional guide first thing in the morning. I find it's a real beauty in that area. It's not heavy. It's easy to read, uh, e- easy reading stuff. And, and it's so practical. And so practical, indeed. It's not Look, guys, our, our gift for you this week is Steps to Christ. If you would like the book Steps to Christ, uh, then please just send us your, uh, your, your, your name, your address, and your number, and uh, your uh, mobile phone number, and send it to uh, our Faith FM text number. Now, this is a text number; it's not connected to uh, uh, to a telephone. But o four triple eight eight o eight eleven. That's o four triple eight. 80811. Just write Steps to Christ and, uh, um, and we will send the book directly to you, uh, if you give us your name, address and your, and your telephone number. You're listening to Faith FM Drive Time, big Q&A with Pastor Gary. Uh, today our co-host is Pastor David Butcher and David's presenting, uh, David is the president of the Seventh-day Adventist Church here in South Oz. And this week we're looking at how do I come? to Jesus. And the big question for today, what does it really mean to be born again? You know, David, birth is a a really challenging experience. Now, I know for two blokes to actually be talking about this subject, it's (laughs) actually a very dangerous thing. I've discovered this in the past, but I'm silly enough to to actually do it again. You know, I was actually present for the uh, birth of my my three children, and uh, it was a real real blessing. Uh, One was born on uh, Easter weekend in a country town in, in Queensland. And I can still remember the hospital had been totally cleared up out of patients because it was only a small country. There was nobody else in there. And then uh, on the, the Saturday morning, uh, we came in, uh, my wife came in in labour and we were the only, in the entire ward, uh, we were the only uh, patient, well, my wife was the only patient and my uh, and my first daughter was the only patient. Uh, it, it was wonderful. There could be no mistake and there could be no mixing up of uh, of babies in, in that particular hospital. And so my first daughter was a Queenslander. Uh, my, my second daughter was born down in uh, down in Sydney. And I, I still remember I remember that particular birth because uh, I was tied up with work commitments at that particular time and uh, uh, and trying to, uh, to put the priority where it had to be. And you know. I'm so thankful. I am so thankful. I remember with that particular birth, I remember a class of nursing students um, actually came in and they said, do you mind, the, the nursing instructor said, do you mind if the nursing students watch? And uh, uh, so, my, so my wife was actually surrounded with about uh, about 30 um, <laughs> nursing. Now, she actually didn't know anything about it. She was too... Did they did, have your permission or your uh, wife's permission? Well, yeah, that's a, that's actually a very, a very, very good question. Um, uh, but, but, you know, uh, to me, I... It was an incredible blessing uh, being at, at my my daughter's birth there, and then my son was born also up in up in Queensland, and uh, and to me, you know, every birth taught me something about the new birth. And, uh, and to me, that's the, re- that was the amazing thing. And, and we'll come back to this a little bit later. But what about you, David? Did you, I mean, what were your experiences? Yeah, look, we are really qualified not, aren't we? Um, and so I want to invite our listeners to, in five, six or seven words, to send us an SMS, 04888 808 
triple eight eight oh eight double one on the birth experience in your household. And uh, we need some ladies to help qualify and balance out our That's opinions. actually very true, David. That's actually otherwise we will might get into trouble from our own wives. So what was the experience? And I know myself, Gary, it was pretty tough for thirty odd hours. Yeah. I got to lay down in a recliner. Um, in the hospital room, the delivery room, and my wife was there doing all the work and I had to struggle to stay awake. Uh, I was there to help massage her back and that was tiring for me. Uh, They then gave her some gas and I didn't get any of these things. She got all this treatment and, uh, yeah, um, we had to have an emergency cesarean. This was our son. And and in the end, we had, uh, in the delivery room, I had... um, about four nurses with different cameras and video cameras. And because it was a cesarean, um, I remember just seeing my, my son. I was sitting near my wife's head and there's this sheet up so you can't see beyond that. And as things were happening, I just stood up and started taking pictures. And there's my son sitting up uh, just on top of my wife's, you know, open yeah, tummy. Yeah, yeah. Just a beautiful picture. And then our daughter's birth um, two years and three days later, uh, that was all st- planned and staged and this is the time it's all booked in and um, that also was beautiful but the thing I learned Gary or one of the very things uh, good things besides the fact that I don't have to give birth uh, was yeah just the the respect and the uh, gratitude for for uh, having a wife that will undertake this torture and this blessing for you, yeah, yeah, but yeah. Um, also every birth is a miracle. It An really is. It miracle. really is. That's that's the thing that really jumped out at me. I know I, I went home and after each of the the births, and I was totally exhausted. I was just emotionally. I can uh, I can well remember going home and uh, absolutely physically exhausted. Did you send uh, your wife to work uh, then at home? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but David, look. Uh, it brings us to the, you know, that's the experience with birth. But it really says a great deal. What does it actually mean to be born again? We understand this first birth experience. Today the question is, what does it mean to be born again? Um, help us out. Yeah, great question. And obviously this this statement of being having to be born again we know comes from the Gospel of John chapter 3, which we'll look at shortly. But um, the first birth, which we've all experienced, and if you've had children or been at births, you, you know what it's all about, um, it isn't something that can happen on its own. Um, the baby that is being born will not survive unless there's assistance. Yeah. Uh, even if it's after the birth, it needs to be, it's, it's on life support with its mother, yeah. if you like. So this tells us a lot about this concept of being born again or being born again spiritually. It is not something we can experience on our own. It is beyond and above our own capacity to, to go through this. It has to be supernatural. Just like the human birth, the physical birth is supernatural. Yeah. It really is a miracle. Yeah. Then so too and even more so the spiritual birth. Yeah. And, and let's unpack that. On Monday, um, uh, we looked at this week on, on the problem of sin, how pervasive it is. Um, in Isaiah chapter 53, and just touching on one or two verses, it tells us in verse 6 of Isaiah 53, all we like sheep have gone astray. We've all turned to our own way. Mm. This tells us that human nature in and of itself does not seek God, does not desire God. In fact, we turn away from God. Yeah. Romans yeah. 3.23 says, for all have sinned. That's everyone. Yeah. And yeah. we've sure fallen short of God's And, and this actually goes back to the subject that we were talking about before because Scripture is actually uh, 
the, the Max Licardo issue. You know, Scripture is actually incredibly realistic about the human condition. Yeah, full stop. Full stop. Doesn't matter what the sin is, but by as being humans, where we're born into a world of sin, yeah. we we sin ourselves, uh, and we're destined for death, not just physical but spiritual death, unless we're born again. Okay. And and what we just read there in Romans three twenty three, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. There is no exception. Mm. Uh, we then know that in Romans six twenty three. Where Paul says, for the wages of sin is death. We work for death. Mm-hmm. Uh, our actions is our work. Uh, they're ungodly. It's like that's the railway lines that we are actually on. We are heading in one direction unless there is some sort of intervention that kicks into place. Unless there's a change or a turnaround. And in Romans 6.23, Paul says, after the wages of sin is death, he says, but... I love mm. that word. Mm. Usually mm. when you hear but in an argument, you know, someone says, oh, you're this and you're that, mm. or I really like what you did, Gary. I really loved your presentation on Faith FM, and then you hear the word but. You know, something else is coming. It's, something else. And often it's negative, correct? Yeah, often it is, and it often negates everything that went before of it. That's all you hear. Yeah. So the wages of sin is death, but, mm. but, what's coming next? But the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. So the the new birth being born again has to have something to do with this gift mm. the gift of Jesus and we know also that in John 8:34 Jesus speaking to people said to them whoever commits sin is a slave of sin okay now again to the topic we spoke of earlier um he doesn't say which sin he says whoever commits sin full stop covers every sin is a slave of sin. And how many times have you actually seen that actually take place in your ministry? I mean, I know myself. I mean, I, I've had to, um, work with an, a number of cases where people have simply have been involved with adulterous. They've been in adulterous uh, situations. And what they, they find it almost impossible to be able to break that habit which they have formed. Yes. And, uh, Satan doesn't care which sort of chains and bondage or addictions he has us under, and we're all susceptible, every single one of us, but we do become slaves, Mm. and there is no escape, and yet it all looks attractive, correct, until we're trapped. So Jesus says that uh, we are whoever commits sin is a slave of sin. Then he says, that's John 8.34, but in John 8.36, just two verses further on, he says, therefore, if the Son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. In other words, we're all slaves to sin. The wages of sin is death. There is no escape. Mm -hmm. But then he says, but if the Son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. In other words, the only way we can be freed from the slavery and bondage and death and destruction of sin is by the Son, Jesus Christ. And, you know, I I, I can't emphasize how important that is. You know, I will remember on one particular occasion, I was actually ministering in New Zealand in these particular days, and uh, I had a young man, and he had actually been addicted uh, to to a particular drug and he he had really struggled with this he could not seem to seem to break it and at that point he actually said to me he said uh, can we pray about this issue and you know that that young man actually had a supernatural change to his addiction to this particular drug you know have you have you sort of seen anything like that 
I have not not every single time, yeah, but yeah. I have, and it is what you said. The word supernatural, it yeah. is true, because often the damage that can be done mm. is incredible by some of these drugs, lasting effects. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but sometimes you well, I've seen people healed and transformed as they've surrendered to Jesus, and then sometimes there is these other supernatural, uh, full, um, you know, even the results and the consequences are, are right, wiped away. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. It, it is powerful. It's, it's Jesus is the one that can free us from this bondage. It's interesting in Ephesians 1 verses 4 and 5, we are told that God chose us before the foundation of the world. It says there, just as he... God chose us in Jesus before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ himself according to the good pleasure of his will. So the Father, through Jesus, before the foundation of the world, has this plan that humanity that will fall into bondage and slavery Mm. will actually be brought back and will become sons, will be adopted, not from the family of the human family of sin from Adam, but instead will be adopted into a heavenly, royal, kingly, priestly family that is perfect. That's a, that's a wonderful thought. You know, there are so many people out there who uh, of a Christian background who say, hey, look, you know, some people have been predestined to life, others have been predestined to death. And yet the reality, of course, is that what God has actually done is predestined the entire human race to salvation through through his son. Absolutely. And and I'm going to um, just take up on what you've just said there, Gary, and build a little bit on that because it's powerful. John 3.16, we all know this verse, For yeah. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son only for those who were predestined that would believe in him. That's not what it says. That's not what it says. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever, whoever. believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. In other words, the only thing that can actually overrule God's desire for my life is my decision. Yes, and often, this is the thing I love in the book Steps to Christ, Chapter 6, Faith and Acceptance, where the author there talks about, um, you know, that we have to put our thoughts aside and we have to choose to trust and believe that what Mm. God promises he will do. Mm. Because Jesus, um, in John 3.16 and also John 3.17, which is a powerful verse, and it says, For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Now, the world is every human being. Yeah. So Jesus' sacrifice, the gift of God, is eternal life. His sacrifice was for every single human being from Adam right through to the end of time. Yeah. But it only becomes relevant when it's accepted. That's, that's so true. And one of the reasons why some people don't accept it is because Satan, who has them in this bondage and slavery, tells them they're now stuck they're trapped. No one will love them. No one will want God them. God will forgive other people, but he won't forgive you for the stuff that you've done. Absolutely. And I wanna, I'm want i conscious, Gary, because I know in my youth I felt this at times, that there are people listening today that no doubt will be listening to this, and outwardly they're Christian. Mm. Inwardly they're struggling with something, and they yeah. will think, if, if, if the people knew the real me, mm. they wouldn't have anything to do with me. Yeah. A- and... Satan is telling those people that God doesn't want you either. And this is why so many people actually are driven to, for example, suicide today. We get incredibly depressed people who are struggling to understand often, hey, how do I deal with this thing called guilt, you know? And, you know, we might say to the person, oh, look, guilt doesn't matter, but it actually does. 
It does. It does. And there is a godly guilt uh, when we've sinned, but God doesn't want to leave us in guilt. No. That's where confession and repentance and forgiveness comes. I know we've spoken and we'll be speaking about them. John 6.37, I just love this verse. It was one of my father's favorite verses. And uh, for those of you that might know John Bunyan, or you won't know him, he lived 400 plus years ago, but we'll know of his works, Pilgrim's Progress. He had this same fear in his life, uh, mm. the devil speaking to him saying, you're not good enough. And every verse that John Bunyan came up with from Scripture that he could use to prove that God loved him, the devil would whisper in his ear and say, no, that applies to someone else but not you. Not mm. you. But when John Bunyan got to John 6.37, uh, he had the answer for the devil. All that the Father gives me will come to me, and the one who comes to me I will by no means cast out. And it's the one who comes to me, anyone who comes to Jesus, he will in no wise cast out. And yet the problem we have as Christians often is that we think that we're too far gone. We're beyond redemption. We're beyond saving. We're beyond rescue. But this says, but the one who comes, anyone. And John Mm. Bunyan said to the devil, it says anyone, him who comes, I'm an anyone. The one who comes to Jesus, he will never turn aside. He will never cast out. The problem is we stop coming. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, that that book that you refer to, uh, Pilgrim's Progress, is actually so absolutely powerful because what we've actually got, of course, is Christian actually journeys from uh, the uh, from destruction, from the city of destruction through to the eternal city, and you go through his various adventures. But the thing that really jumps out at me is that he's actually got him mounting this hill, and it's actually the, the cross of mm. Calvary. And it's at that point when he comes to Calvary that a burden actually falls off his back and the this huge load that he was carrying suddenly and of course this is an allegory that's been um been been read by generations of Christians but you know how true how incredibly true is pilgrim's progress and christian coming to the cross and this burden being lifted off his back Absolutely. So, and, and that's powerful because as Christians, we're often carrying our sins around still with us even after we've confessed them yeah, instead of yeah. leaving them at the cross. And so we have this picture of humanity that has fallen, that is sinful, that has no hope in and of itself, of a loving God who sends his son, Jesus Christ, who is God himself, to this planet to die for our sins. And... Um, Romans 5.18, therefore, as through one man's offense, this is talking about Adam, judgment came to all men or all humanity, resulting in condemnation, even so through one man's righteous act, this is Jesus Christ, mm. the free gift, this is this new birth, came to all, all men or all humanity, resulting in justification of life. Yeah. Now, if I go to the Gospel of John, sorry, Gary, you wanted to speak. No, 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 keep on going, please, you're good. Good. This is good. If I go to the Gospel of John, and I really love John, and I really love chapter 1 of John. I know we're going to get into chapter 3, but John chapter 1, verses 11 to 13. Beautiful promises here. He, this is Jesus, came to his own, and his own did not receive him. Jesus, who is the king of the universe, the creator, comes to this uh, planet um, that is, um, uh, what's the word? It is an outlying planet which is... um, So remote in the universe. So remote in the universe which has rebelled. Yeah. And yet Jesus comes not to destroy, but he comes to his own. Yeah. Yeah. And his own did not receive him. Yeah. 
Yeah. This is an incredibly beautiful story that oh. we're talking about here. Here we've got the eternal God was so concerned about humanity that he's prepared to give the gift of his son to, to this earth. You know, as, as I think of that, I think, hey, uh, you know, we have got a, we have got a story here that, that is powerful in the extreme. Which other uh, faith? Yeah. Has a God that would come in the flesh to a rebellious, insignificant speck in the corner of the universe, yeah. become one of his creation, just like us becoming an ant to save ants, yeah. to becoming one of his creation, and yet they didn't even receive him. They didn't see him for who he was. Yeah. But it says in verse 12, But as many as received him, to them he gave them the right to become children of God. And I love that word, the right. Yes. And yes, in Greek, yes. it has several meanings. Yeah. It has, he gave them the right or the ability or the authority mm. to become children of God. Yeah. So yeah. as when we receive Jesus, and what does that mean? It means that instead of me wanting to be in charge of my life, instead of me allowing Satan to be uh, in charge of my life, I'm saying, I've had enough of this, Jesus. Yeah. I want yeah. you to be in charge of my life. I want you to take the driver's seat and take the wheel, and I'll sit in the back and I won't even be a backseat driver. And, of course, what all this does at that time, you get uh, these gifts that seem to come to the individual. You know, I, I think of peace. Mm. I think of joy. You know, they're probably the terms that I would sum up my experience with people who have come to Jesus Christ. Do you know, sometimes we have got such huge issues in this world that not every issue can be overcome just simply by flicking my fingers or making a decision for Jesus Christ. Sometimes there are consequences to what has actually, actually happened in the past. But do you know, the thing that almost repetitively happens is that individuals come to understand a thing called peace. They can sleep at night. And peace is a word that's bandied around about in the media, um, but it's superficial. The peace that God offers us is yeah. eternal and and helps us in this world to, to have meaning and purpose and sense and, and just to to have that calm assurance yeah. that God is there. So as, as many as believed in him and received him, he gave them the right to be children of God to those who believe in his name. So belief is critical. That's, that, that is so important, and, and, and I know you're bringing this all together. But, David, look, let's come to some music because I'm conscious our time is starting to go away from us. Let's come to Keith Green. There is a Redeemer. love uh, what, uh, what Keith shares in this particular song. God's own Son, precious Lamb of God, Messiah, Holy One, Jesus, my Redeemer, name above all names, precious Lamb of God.
Lamb of God, Messiah. Pastor Gary, I host Drive Time every Tuesday and Wednesday, and I want to share with you a special offer that I have for our Adelaide friends. For some time, I've been concerned about the state of our contemporary religious world. I believe that increasingly, religion is morphing into a form that would be unrecognisable to biblical Christians of almost any previous generation. With this in mind, I've put together a short seminar series entitled Four Angels, The End Times and The Gospel's Climax. In this series, I'll be looking at the scriptures and providing answers to some of the biggest religious questions of our time. We're going to be asking, what are the big religious trends that currently impacting the Christian world? Then there's this one. Why will a humanity never be able to provide a truly just society? What about evolution? Does the gospel have anything to say about evolutionary belief? The ecumenical spirit, is that the same as biblical unity? Then there's the big one. Why is biblical religion facing the perfect storm? This is an in-person, nine-meeting series that I'll be hosting. We commence Saturday, March 13 and conclude Saturday, March 20. If you'd like me to hold you a seat and send you details of the time and location, please text 4 Angel Series to 4 808 with your name, your address and your phone number. Please be aware that because of COVID requirements, space is limited. That number again, 04 888 That's going to be a fantastic uh, little series. I'm really looking forward to uh, to presenting that series. It's actually going to be occurring here at the at the Prospect Seventh Day Adventist Church, and uh, you will really get something as we dig deep into the uh, into the Word of God. Uh, our free gift for you today is the book Steps to Christ. Love this particular book. It's fantastic for devotional time early in the morning. I love reading it at that time. If you would like our free gift, that Steps to Christ, send your name, your address, your phone number. Just text it. Text that to 04 888 That's 04 888 You're listening to Faith FM Drive Time, big Q&A with Pastor Gary. Today our co-host is Pastor David Butcher, and David's the president of the Seventh-day Adventist Church here in South Oz. Uh, this week we're looking at how do I come to Jesus, and the big question for today is what does it really mean? 
to be born again. David, look, bring it all together. We've got about five minutes to, to actually come together. We've talked about birth to start with. We're talking about the new birth. It's talked about in John chapter 3. Tell us, what is this new birth experience? What's Jesus getting at? Okay, let's really run fast in the time we've got. Hey, Gary. John chapter 3. Jesus uh, meets this religious leader called Nicodemus uh, by night because Nicodemus is scared to show his colors in the light mm. of day. He's a Jew um, and he's a Pharisee and he's against Jesus. Well, the Pharisees were like largely against Jesus. He has this night conversation and Jesus cuts to the chase in John 3, 3 and he says, Jesus answered and said to him, that's Nicodemus, most assuredly says Jesus, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Make no mistake about it. Jesus is saying that this new birth is absolutely critical. If you don't have it, if you don't receive it, if you don't experience it, you will not experience or see the kingdom of God. But he's talking to a religious leader. He is talking to the bishop of the region when he's talking to Nicodemus. That's, That's exactly who Nicodemus right. was. So our physical birth, and he was a Jew by birth, does not give us, whether I'm a Jew or a, a Australian or whatever, our physical birth does not give us any advantage with this spiritual birth. Okay. And nor does it grant us salvation. This is a birth that we all have to experience if we want to see the kingdom of God. This is no options. Jesus is not giving an option here. There's he's, no... There's no Plan B or C or, or option B or C. He simply says, you must, full stop, be born again. And this is, again, what the first conversation we had, the Bible's very specific and very clear on so many things. So we need to have a voice. Yeah. Um, Nicodemus then says to Jesus, he says, well, how can I be born when I'm old? How can I enter my mother's womb a second time? Mm. He doesn't get it. And then Jesus says to him in verse 5 of John 3, most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. There you go, emphatic. Verse 6, that which is born of the flesh is flesh, that which is born of the spirit is spirit. So Jesus is saying this is a supernatural birth that requires the Holy Spirit to come and live in your life and change you because you're a slave to sin. So then he goes on and he paints a picture from the book of Numbers uh, where the Israelites had been grumbling and complaining. God allows these snakes to come in, uh, deadly snakes, into where they were camped and the snakes were biting them. Mm-hmm. And Moses comes to, G, uh, to God and he's, you know, what should I do? And God says to, to make this brass serpent, hang it up on a pole. And the people had to look to this brass serpent on the pole to live. Now, when you're bitten by a snake, looking at something won't heal you, correct? Correct. But this is the supernatural thing. God is saying there is no cure to the sin problem, the, the sting of the serpent. There is no cure. Yeah. Physical cure. Instead, it's supernatural. Mm-hmm. And so we're told in John three fourteen and 15 that just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. So there is no... Um, uh, there is no experience or, or pilgrimage we have to go to Mecca or anything like that. We don't have to count the rosaries. We don't have to keep the Ten Commandments to save ourselves because we can't. We keep them because we're in a saving relationship. But we're only in a saving relationship as we look to him who has been lifted up on the cross. Mm. And as we do that and as we say to Lord, Lord Jesus, Lord, I believe in you, come into my life, when we have humble hearts, then God is 
gives us this new birth experience. It's really conversion. It's it's a new person experience. We're talking life-changing uh, attitude here. We're talking uh, something that can only occur supernaturally. You know, I'm so conscious that Nicodemus actually follows up with the question of how can these things be? Yeah. What was Jesus' answer to that? Um, that which is of, uh, you tell me, Gary, he basically says it's supernatural, doesn't he? Um, he, he does. Says, he talks about this, the moving of the wind, just as the wind comes from one side and goes to the other, so is the moving of the from. Holy Spirit. In other words, it's the Holy Spirit. And Christ, of course, what he talks about here is he says, unless you be um, uh, have water and the Spirit, unless you be baptized by water and the Spirit, you shall not see the kingdom of God. And what Jesus is saying to Nicodemus is this is not humanly discernible. It's spirit. It's, it's not something that you can um, rationalize from a human perspective. Yeah. It's yeah. supernatural, spiritual. Uh, and that's why um, uh, in 2 Corinthians 5.17, it says there, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. We know in the book of Ezekiel, in Ezekiel chapter, um, uh, which verse is it in Ezekiel where we're promised a new New heart, Ezekiel 36, uh, mm-hmm. verses 26 and 27, God will give us a new heart and put a new spirit within us. Yeah. He takes away that old heart of stone and gives us a heart of flesh. This is the new birth experience, Gary. So we need to, uh, to experience it. Yeah. We need to yeah. ask for this supernatural change. Yeah, And, you know, I, I have uh, seen so many people, and the thing that really stood out that to me has been the way in which these gifts of peace uh, and joy come as a result of them accepting Jesus Christ. Um, the Holy Spirit seems to make a change. There is, whereas before they were struggling, they carrying this load of guilt. It's as though that load of guilt dissipates, and they're able to deal with issues that they could never previously deal with. Well, what you're doing in this is essentially giving God permission to transform you or convert you into a new being. And that's what this conversion actually means. It's a new birth. It's a new start. I'm conscious that we're starting to run out of time. Just one last thought, David. Yeah, so how do we begin this process? How do we ask for it? I love this little one or two verses from Mark chapter 1. Mark's a brilliant gospel. It's so short, powerful, and full of power. Mark one forty, verse 40 and 41. Now a leper came to Jesus, pleading with him, begging him, kneeling down to him and saying to him, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Uh, uh, you know, a leper should never yeah. be in the contact of someone that's a non-leper in the Bible yeah. times. Yeah. But he comes to Jesus. He says, if you are willing, you can make me clean. And Jesus' response is? Then Jesus moved with compassion, stretched out his hand and touched him and said to him, I am willing be cleansed. Be cleansed. And as soon as he had spoken, immediately the leprosy left him and he was cleansed. So I want to challenge our listeners, Gary. If you feel that you're under the bondage of sin, you're a slave of sin, you're living a, a, a life that most people don't know about, and you're worried about it, you come to Jesus and you say, Lord, 
if you're willing, make me clean. And it doesn't matter what you, what sin you're involved in, Jesus will make you clean. And if you ask him for a new heart, he will put that within you and ask for belief. Ask to believe. Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. Yeah. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, Lord, we come to you now. Lord, I want to say thank you for the gift that you have given to us. Lord, I want to say thank you for the gift of the Holy Spirit. Thank you so much for the gift of Jesus Christ. Lord, I just want to pray right now that you will fulfill your word in the life of that person who is listening right now who hasn't yet accepted you. I just pray that indeed you will descend upon them, that they indeed will accept you. You will forgive their sin, that the weight that they are carrying might disappear from their weight, from their back, and Lord, that they indeed might be born again. Lord, I pray that you might give them the gift of peace, give them the gift of joy. Lord, these things I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, folks, it does look like our time's up for today. Thank you so much for joining Pastor Gary and Pastor David Butcher on Drive Time Big Q&A. Please join us tomorrow when Pastor Fabiano and Helen Gray look at the question, can the Holy Spirit change my thinking? We really look forward to seeing you. But until then, please remember, Christ said, I'm leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give isn't like the peace that the world gives, so don't be troubled or afraid. May our God richly bless you. Please enjoy Anthem Lights. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in His wonderful face And the things of earth will grow strangely dim In the light of His glory and grace To Jesus I surrender To Him I freely Trust Him in His presence daily